This is Pastor Landon Davis. Thank you for joining us again for our Bible study. We're going to be going through Luke chapter 6. Now on the second Sabbath after the first, he was going through the grain fields. His disciples plucked the heads of grain and ate, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said to them, Why do you do that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day? Jesus answering them said, Haven't you read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered into God's house and took and ate the showbread and gave also to those who were with him, which is not lawful to eat except for the priest alone. He said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. It also happened on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. There was a man there, and his right hand was withered. The scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Rise up and stand in the middle. He arose and stood. Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you something. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to kill? He looked around at them all and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He did, and his hand was restored as sound as the other. But they were filled with rage and talked with one another about what they might do to Jesus. Luke mentioned that this was the second Sabbath. Remember, the first Sabbath recorded in uh, Capernaum was when Jesus cast out a demon and then he healed Peter's mother-in-law. And then the city gathered around and he laid hands on the sick and healed them and cast out demons. Now on the second Sabbath, his disciples were hungry and they plucked and ate some grain as they walked through a grain field. And just a reminder from our previous chapter, the Pharisees had already been critical of his disciples and characterized them as sinners that Jesus was keeping company with. And so Jesus reminded them as they criticized the disciples once again of King David violating a requirement of the law due to uh, hunger during a desperate time. His primary argument, though, um, whenever he discussed the disciples' action was uh, he actually didn't really discuss the disciples at all. He just said, the Son of Man, a title that he would use to himself, is the Lord of the Sabbath. Remember, the Sabbath day was the holy day established by God, and they were to keep it holy. And so here is a man who says he's the Lord over something that's holy. We see Jesus hinting at his deity, I believe, here. Then on another Sabbath, uh, now this isn't a coincidence at this point, um, on another Sabbath, there was a man with a withered hand. And the scribes and the Pharisees were there, and they were watching so that they could accuse Jesus of breaking the law if he healed on the Sabbath. They've noticed this trend that he works on the Sabbath day, or what they would consider works. And so he knew their thoughts, and, and he had the man come forward, and he asked them if it was legal to do good on the Sabbath or to do harm. And, of course, that puts them in a difficult spot. What are they going to say? Uh, you can't heal this man. It's, it's better to let him suffer. And they, in fact, were the ones that were desiring to do harm and judging Jesus as he was there about to do good. And so Jesus healed the man, and he escaped their trap. It's interesting that this time he didn't lay hands on the man. In fact, he didn't even pray for him. He just simply instructed the man, stretch out your hand. And when the man did, he was healed. 
And so Jesus' adversaries couldn't lay charge against him. You couldn't hardly say Jesus had healed him when he hadn't prayed for him or touched him. It had just happened. And so they were left asking themselves, what might we do with this Jesus? What's going to be the answer? How are we going to deal with him? Now, verse number 12 says, And these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer to God. When it was day, he called his disciples, and from whom... Uh, from them, sorry, he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who also became a traitor. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great number of the people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were troubled by unclean spirits, and they were being healed. All the multitude sought to touch him, for power came out of him and healed them all. We see the priority of prayer in Jesus' life before choosing the twelve. He spent time in prayer. In fact, he prayed all night long. And uh, then the 12 he chose, he said they would be his apostles, meaning they were going to be his representatives or messengers. And including among those 12 was Judas. And the, the wording of the scripture says, who became a traitor. It seems that initially he was a sincere believer, but he would eventually fall away. And uh, this is a warning to us that we could fall away from our faith. And so when he and the disciples came down the mountain, people crowded around and I, I just like the phrase here. It says, power came out of Christ. And so if they could touch him, they were healed. Verse number 20. He lifted up his eyes to his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor. God's kingdom is yours. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude and mock you and throw out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for their fathers did the same thing to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you, you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe when men speak well of you, for their fathers did the same thing to the false prophets. Jesus is giving direct instructions to his disciples, and first he instructs them concerning their perspective. Um, he says, you, you have to learn to see yourself as blessed even when you're poor or you're hungry or when you're weeping, when men hate you, exclude you or mock you, as long as this is being done for the Son of Man's sake, then God's going to reward you so you can rejoice in hope and faith, knowing that the Lord will reward you for whatever you have to go through. On the other hand, he said, woe if you are rich and full and can laugh as men speak well of you. Now, this wasn't a complete condemnation of riches or blessings or having a good reputation. In fact, uh, we see the scripture speaks favorably of them, both Old Testament and New, as long as you use them properly. But it's when people put their trust in these things. It's a warning against trusting in them because uh, everything this world has to offer is, is temporary and you can lose it all very quickly. Verse 27, but I tell you, 
who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. To him who strikes you on the cheek, offer also the other. And from him who takes away your cloak, don't withhold your coat also. Give to everyone who asks you, and don't ask him who takes away your goods to give them back. As you would like people to do to you, do exactly so to them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive back as much. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing back. And your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for He is kind towards the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, even as your Father is also merciful. Don't judge, and you won't be judged. Don't condemn, and you won't be condemned. Set free, and you will be set free. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be given to you. For with the same measure you measure, it will be measured back to you. So the Lord encouraged his followers to do good regardless of how others treated them or what they could receive in return. Just be a Christian because of who you are. Bless and forgive and be merciful and be generous and extend grace. And and then you will be like the Heavenly Father. And with the same measure that we give, the Lord measures it back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's a kingdom principle we're going to see throughout the New Testament. Verse number 39, he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind guide the blind? Won't they both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you seek the speck of chaff that is in your brother's eye, but don't consider the beam that is in your own eye? Or how can you tell your brother, brother, let me remove the speck of chaff that is in your eye, when you yourself don't see the beam that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First remove the beam from your own eye, and then you can see clearly to remove the speck of chaff that is in your brother's eye. For there is no good tree that produces rotten fruit, nor again a rotten tree that produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For people don't gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings out that which is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings out that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks." So he said a disciple needed to be fully trained to be qualified to lead others. Jesus had seen the potential in his disciples that most wouldn't have seen. He had he had called them when they were they were sin sick and he was willing to forgive and to heal them and he was telling them they needed to follow his example instead of finding fault in others we should first be sure that we're right with god start with repentance and this doesn't mean that we can't preach or speak out against sin that somehow we've violated the commandment not to judge Uh, The Word of God is going to judge people. We're just telling them the standard by which they'll be judged. Uh, he, He actually concluded the parable by stating that if you remove the beam from your eye, then you can see to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus was teaching against hypocrisy. What you really are is evident in your life. And so a good tree won't produce rotten fruit. And a good man 
uh, is going to speak the truth in love, and an evil man is going to hide his sins, be critical of others, and have a hypocritical tongue. Verse number 46, he said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things which I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you who he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug and went deep and laid a foundation on the rock. When a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it was founded on the rock. But he who hears and doesn't do is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream broke and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. And so here to conclude the chapter, Jesus continued teaching about following his example and avoiding hypocrisy. If you're going to call him Lord, you must allow him to be your Lord, to be your master. And so he is only your Lord when you obey his commands. Um, Those that keep his commands, they're building their life on a solid foundation. And those who don't obey are building their lives on their own desires, their own wills, their wisdom or their emotion in the moment. And the difference may not be evident initially. It may seem that both are blessed, but eventually storms will come in life. And after this life, there's going to be a flood of judgment that's going to come on the earth. And the only thing that's going to, the only people that are going to be be able to withstand will be those who are built on the truth of God and those that are obedient and have truly made Jesus their Lord. Let's pray together right now. Father, we thank you for your word. I ask that you would help us, Lord, to have a pure heart. Help us to see in the way that you're working. Help us to see the good in people. I pray that we would be gracious and forgiving, that we would answer your call to be your disciple, Lord. I ask that we would each learn to build our life on your words, that we would be obedient and we would be well-pleasing to you. I pray it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you again for listening.